Thank you very much for that, Chris. Um, yeah, really are humbled by just the privilege of, of life in Jesus. There's nothing else, as Chris has said, it really is just all honor to him. But um, from my side, just uh, good morning to those whom I haven't said good morning to this morning. And uh, thank you for being here and for allowing me the opportunity to speak to you. Um, I'll just continue because it sounds a bit... Can you hear still? Fine. Okay, there we go. So, yeah, but um, so thank you. And I also trust that you've enjoyed the fellowship thus far and the lovely breakfast. And if you are here visiting and don't know me, so as Chris said, I'm Francois. I also am a marketplace elder. So um, I want to just put you at ease and say that um, I really am endeavoring to get you released by 7.30 because I myself needs to get to work. So you can relax and don't have to watch your watch. But um, yeah. So Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity this morning and do want to just offer it all to you and ask that you would speak through me and that you administer to us. I really do believe that um, God has got a word for each and every one of us here this morning. I carried a a strong sense that God has given us something that can dramatically change your life. I really do mean that. Um, And and information technology, there's a saying that says that every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. So, um, in other words, if, if, if you're not getting the results, it's no good you're fighting the system. You actually got to change it. And our lives are products of our lifestyle. And as I speak this morning and you identify something with it, did you think actually there needs to be a change in my lifestyle? Today is the opportunity for you. I do believe that God is here. He is present. He is in his sovereignty so designed it that you are here this morning to hear this word. And um, so I, I, it's, it can be a real make or break moment for you, I, I do believe. Just in conversation, even I'm sure um, listening here, you would identify, I've noticed that you, each one of us, I think, would identify with what I'm about to say. And, and what it is, is that if you have um, kind of followed stats a little bit of certain things, you would see that in psychology, the psychology stats tells us that um, we live in unprecedented times in terms of stress and anxiety and just feeling unable to cope with the pressures of life. So many people, actually I think every one of us, in some sphere or another of your life, feel that you are out of your depth and not able to cope. And we've even seen the increase in numbers of society, I mean in society of suicide. We see it across, across all spectrums of life. We see burnout as something quite common. It's not something that was heard of that much when I was a child, but now so many people just have burnout and and, and all levels of stress. So it's the, the domestic violence, we know that those numbers. And those are all symptoms of us not being able to cope. We've even seen in recent years the birth of, of careers that never existed. Things like life coaching, just there to help people cope. There's uh, a therapy culture that's taken the first world by storm. Every, every person, as you have your dentist and your doctor, you also have a therapist nowadays, just to help you to cope. And so I think it is, it is very real that the pressures of life is huge. But I think there is a way of Jesus that we can learn. And if you were to, to talk about, um, or let me put it this way, I entitled my message this morning, The Secret to a Happy Life. So we know that I just want to be happy is what you hear all the time. And... Um, there is a secret to the happy life. I would call it another way of fulfilling life or satisfying life. 
And so I'd like to start by actually asking you if you were to define or, uh, what happiness would be for you. To think a little bit, what would you think, or what would you say would be your life would be like if it was a happy life? So another way, put it another way, is when, when would you be truly happy? Would it be when you've actually got that perfect babe by your side? Or would it be when you have um, got that dream car that you've always wished for, or the dream home on a golf estate? Or would, would you be truly happy when you are financially secure? In other words, when you've got a passive income that allows you to do what you want and whenever you want and go where you want? Or would you be truly happy if you see your children actually fulfilling your desires for their life, living it out? Or may it be that you're truly happy when you've actually reached a VIP status amongst your sphere of people or, or even uh, when you've reached the goat of your specific, uh, specific if you are the goat of your specific sphere, you know? Greatest of all times, if you don't know what that means. So, um, yeah. So there's a, one author that I came across who made this statement. And he said that all the great wisdom teachings of history, religious or secular, Eastern or Christian, have this in common. They all agree that if there's a formula for the happy life, what do you think it would be? Says it is to inhabit the moment. Incredible, isn't it? To inhabit the moment. That's the secret to the happy life. To inhabit the moment. So friends, um, could it be that it is so simple? That actually we fail to have a fulfilling, satisfying life because we're forever rushing. We're forever rushing past the moment. We use today to plan for tomorrow, and we use today to reminisce about yesterday. But we miss living today, living the moment. Dallas, Dallas Willard is a well-known Christian author and a mentor to many people, and he said these words. He said, if you want to become the you you really want to be, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Can I repeat it? So if you want to be the you that you believe God has created you to be, or the you that you believe you are meant to be, living true to your core values, what I actually left out to say is that the reasons for the increase in, in anxiety, I believe, and I think it is true to what many psychologists would say, but is when we live contrary to our core values. So in other words, if you have a core value of wanting to spend time with your family, but you actually, because of the pressures of life and things that maybe others have put on you, but even yourself, you actually can't do that. That's what adds stress to your life. If you want to be a person that actually has got patience, but you find yourself shouting at the person cutting in on you, you know, and all those things on the road and all that, it, it increases anxiety and stress in your life because you live contrary to your core values. And the next reason why people have an unfulfilled life or unhappy life is the fact that it is of unmet expectations, unmet expectations. So it's the, it's the dissatisfaction or, um, that comes through that. And, so, and, and that has, with the rise of social media, has actually increased those levels because what it has done 
is it puts celebrities and their perceived iconic lifestyle in the pocket of everybody with a smartphone. So it's no longer out there, it's right before you, and we all strive towards something that actually isn't real and it isn't attainable. So that unmet expectations and living contrary to your core values is what increases our stress levels. And um, so Dallas Willard is saying that if you want to be the you, that you, you, you know, want to become the you that you really want to be, this is the answer. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, King David in Psalm 23, we, many of you, even if you're not a regular churchgoer, would probably know Psalm 23. It's the Lord is my shepherd. And he closes that psalm by saying, for, for surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what he is saying is that in every single day, there is an abundance of God's goodness and love poured out to you. And so could it be that, that we are not experiencing the fulfillment in life what we should because we fail to appreciate and enjoy and, appreciate and actually experience the goodness of God in every moment because we're forever rushing past it? So Jesus knew everything about pressures of life. Just talk about a life mission or commission or job description to be met. And all that in three short years. So Jesus knew all about the pressure of time, having to get his message out and everything out to the whole wide world in three short years. So Jesus knew what it meant to be overwhelmed by the task that was set before him. Yet Jesus modeled an incredibly um, unhurried life. Because Jesus could interrupt his response to a 911 call to go and rescue a child from dying to minister to a lady that had an incurable disease that has plagued her for over 12 years. He could interrupt his journey. Just think of it that way. 911 call, you know, rushing to where you've got to be. But he could stop and minister and heal her. Jesus was present in the moment. Jesus could interrupt his is, um, you call it a roadshow through the Judean countryside, promoting actually this mission that he's got on earth. To, to, he could interrupt it and stop, to stop a burial procession of somebody that's not even named in Scripture. A lady of a city called Nan that anybody knows about. He could interrupt that, defile himself by touching a corpse to raise this lady's widowed <clears throat> child back to life. So Jesus modeled a lifestyle where he was present in the moment. And that's what I believe he is inviting us to. And this invitation is there for every single one of us, and it is here today. And we find this invitation to us in Matthew 11, verse 28, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I think it's worth saying again, and really paying attention to every single word. It says, come to me, first and foremost. So the secret to an unhurried life, a fulfilling life, a happy life, is to come to Jesus. 
It says, all you are weary and burdened, which is every single one of us. If you just listen to yourself even this morning, in every conversation that I was a part of, that is true, that we all can identify with hurried and busy and rushing, and just not having the time. But Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So what does it mean to come to Jesus? It simply means to surrender your life to him. To acknowledge that you've been actually running from him all your life. Because Jesus has been calling out us, reaching out to us, offering us an opportunity to have a life of fulfillment and wholeness. That's what he has come for, to give us life and life and abundance. But we are running, forever running away from resisting that. And the offer is there again today for you. Come to me. And second, he says, uh, what does it mean to, to take on his yoke? Now, if you were in agrarian society like the people were those days, you would immediately have two pictures come to mind, which we don't have. So I'll explain quickly. If you don't know what a yoke is, a yoke is, is basically a wooden beam that is put over the shoulders of two beasts of burden so that they can together carry, carry or pull a wagon or carry a load. So basically, a yoke is a, is a piece of equipment that enables you to shoulder a load in partnership with another. So your combined strength is what enables you to carry that load. And that is what Jesus is offering, first of all, is that he is offering us a partnership with him to shoulder our load. He's given us his strength to carry our load. Beautiful, isn't it? Incredible invitation. Why would we reject it ever? And then secondly, something also, a yoke, was a term that was used for a rabbi's way of life. So in those days when Jesus lived, the Jewish rabbis would invite people to come and become their apprentices or their disciples. And the objective of a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus was to spend as much time as possible with their mentor or their teacher and actually take on their way of life to the point that they would do what their mentor would do if he was them. So you know those little wristbands that people wear, what would Jesus do? It must go further. He said, what would Jesus do if he was you, in your shoes? Because that's, that's what it is about. And that is the yoke. A rabbi had a yoke, so it was his way of life that was adopted by people, uh, by his apprentices. And that's what Jesus is offering to us as well, or inviting us to. He says, come to me. That's the first point. But the second step is just as important, and that is to follow his way, to adopt his way of life. So you may say to me that, that well, I've, I have accepted Jesus as my Savior. He is, I have come to him, but yet I'm not experiencing the fullness of life that I believe God has got for me. I, I find myself in a hurried way of life and rushing from moment to moment and not experiencing the fullness or fulfillment that should come out of everyday life. And I believe God's answer to you would be that you're exactly right. You are his. That's not a question. But have you learned from me? Have you adopted my way of life? Not just what I teach, but my way of life. It's something that I think we don't often look at. And unfortunately, I don't have the time to really expound on that this morning. But you can find it. The Holy Spirit can teach you. 
If you read the biographies of Jesus, which we find in the Bible, that's what it is. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's explaining, us, explaining to us how Jesus lived. Not just what he taught and what he did, but how he lived. And when you do that, you would find that there's basically four principles of his life or practices that Jesus has done or that he lives by. And the first of it is silence and solitude, which means taking extended periods of time out just alone to be with God. You see it throughout Jesus' life when he did 40 days of fasting, the first time before he started his ministry. Isolated, secluded, his way of life, silence and solitude. We, we, we just don't do it. Secondly, we see that Jesus' Sabbathing is this another practice, which is basically silence and solitude, but on a regular basis, at slightly shorter intervals, on a weekly basis, to have uninterrupted time in the presence of God. Incredible practice, what Jesus modeled to us. And then thirdly is, is simplicity. It's to simplify our lives. We don't need five cars. One can do. We don't need a number of holiday homes. We don't need 50 pairs of clothing. You can do with so much less. And it is those things that causes us to have a hurried, rushed life. There is so much more. How much, how much is enough? Simplicity of life is what Jesus practiced. And then third, for this last thing is slowing down. Like Dallas Hullard said, eh? to eliminate hurry from your life. To drive in the slow lane instead of rushing past everyone. To pick the longest queue at the tools when you're leaving instead of the shortest, watching it on. It's a, it's, it's a way of life that's not easy, but that's Jesus' way. And actually, it could become easy. It is, a, it is something that we deliberately have to do because we're so brought up in this culture of every minute is money. So in closing, I want to repeat again Jesus' invitation to us and read it from the message version. That's Eugene Peterson's writing and invitation to us, or Jesus' invitation. He says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Don't we all need to do that, recover our lives? I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Every day. It's full of God's goodness. It can also be translated in covenantal faithfulness to you. That's what David said. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, friends, the reality is that life is a succession of burdens that we are to bear. And Jesus doesn't offer us an escape. He actually offers us a new way. He offers us a lifestyle of partnership with him in which he would carry the burden with us. So, so uh, easy life is not what is Jesus is offering. He is offering us an easy burden. Amen. So I'd love to pray for us, and I'd like to offer two prayers. And I'd like for you to, just in the privacy of your own heart, respond to either of these prayers, or both. And I believe that God will hear that, and He would honor that. And I truly, truly believe 
<laughs> that this could be a defining moment for the rest of your life. There's, there's this song that I wanted to play that you could listen to. I love it. It's a guy, uh, Jeremy Camp, that sings, Keep Me in the Moment. And, and he's saying, this song is about him looking at his life and just seeing it passing by, passing by. And he says, well, I woke up with one morning and I realized this and I thought, well, perhaps today I can make a change and it can change me. That's his song. And that's what I believe. We all have the opportunity to make a change that can change us and, and set us on the trajectory that God has for us. Because if we're honest, many of us, if we project where our lives are, lives are going, we're actually, not, we're actually not happy with it. We actually want a different outcome. But to, to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result, that's what it means to be a, um, what's it, insanity. That's the definition of insanity. So change the system. Change the way of life. In your life is a product of your lifestyle. So the prayers I'm going to pray is, is one where you actually surrender to Jesus. So you come to him. And the second is for us to, to take on, to, to partner with Jesus and to accept his invitation of apprenticeship to him. Can we do that? So Lord Jesus, I know that you are here, Father. Holy Spirit, you are here through Holy Spirit. You, you've been working. You've been preparing all of our hearts. This is not the first time you're speaking to us, Lord. I, I know that you've spoken to many over years already. That is the evidence and the testimony of your word, that you're always at work in us, drawing us. And here this morning, God, we want to, we want to do business with you. And first of all, Lord, we want to come to you. I want to simply surrender my life to you. I simply say, Lord, forgive me for running, for pushing you away, for saying no to your invitation, and for actually living in rebellion towards you. And I ask that you'd forgive me and you make me your own here this morning. And secondly, Lord, we want to repent of, of, of a lifestyle that is, that is contrary to what you've modeled for us. And I want to ask you, God, that you would actually empower me and every single one of us to respond to your Holy Spirit, to respond to your promptings, to no longer say no and, and think that we know a better way, but actually, Lord, to intentionally and deliberately learn from you, to take on your way of life, to, to, to take on your yoke and to ex, um, allow you to be yoked with, with us, Lord, to learn the rhythms of life, the rhythms of your grace every day, and Lord, to, to, to learn from you to be present in every moment and to live the moment, Lord. Not to allow your goodness, God, to rush past us any longer, but to stop and be able to appreciate it and appreciate you and walk in close footsteps, uh, in your footsteps, Lord, closely related to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.